Welcome to WMUR's The Trail, from New Hampshire to the White House. I'm WMUR political director Adam Sexton, and we're returning to our candidate cafe again in this episode. Through this series, we're looking to learn more about the candidates' personalities, what makes them tick. In this episode, you'll hear some highlights from John Delaney's back and forth with voters at Manchester's airport diner. Then I'll chat with the former Maryland congressman on some of the hot topics of the day. Thanks for listening, and be sure to leave a rating and a review of this podcast after the episode. We really appreciate it. As the father of four daughters, ages 27 to 12, John Delaney has put in the time and the miles as a dad. He says this last Halloween may have been an emptying nest milestone. I went trick-or-treating with Grace this year. She's 12. And April and I, my wife April, we were saying, you know, this may be probably the last time. And I was like... I've been going trick-or-treating for 26 straight years. (laughs) The Delaney family has also included as many as three dogs, but now there's only one, and the former Maryland congressman isn't quite sure if she's ready for the White House. And the only dog we have left is a um, Maltese. She's not really like the right dog to film your presidential commercial. And this, her name is Mimi, and I love Mimi. Mimi's great. As a successful entrepreneur, Delaney built and took two companies public. I spent my whole career traveling around the country, sitting at uh, at conference room tables, talking to entrepreneurs about what they're doing with their business and why they need it alone. One of his companies won an award from the White House for lending money to businesses in disadvantaged communities. We actually saw a lot of communities around this country that people weren't lending money to that there were great companies and great people in these communities. Delaney is also an accomplished cook, but there's one condiment you can take off the table if he's coming over for lunch. I tell you what I don't like is mayonnaise. I don't go anywhere near mayonnaise. No mayo is like a defining statement I make at least once a day on whatever I want. Adam Sexton, WMUR News 9. Hey, Facebook recently made some changes. Now you're missing out on lots of content from WMUR, but it's easy to stay connected. Go to WMUR's Facebook page, tap follow, then see first. That's it, just two taps brings you back in the know. All right, uh, John Delaney, thanks for joining us for our uh, podcast portion of Candidate Cafe. So uh, talking a little bit of the policy here, we've got uh, Elizabeth Warren's new Medicare for All plan out. I'm sure you've taken a look. What are your thoughts? So my thoughts are it it will cause a lot of upheaval. The goal is correct, but her way of achieving it will cause upheaval. So I think we should have universal health care. I think we should have a plan that every American gets health care as a basic human right for free. And in that regard, I'm much closer to Senator Sanders and Senator Warren. You know, because the rest, none of the other candidates really want universal health care. They want public options and stuff like that, which are fine, but won't solve the problem. Senator Sanders, Senator Warren, they want universal health care. I have a plan for universal health care, too. The difference is my plan doesn't cause upheaval, which theirs does. And when you look at her plan, you realize that she's basically disrupting 90% of the health care market to give 10% of the uninsured or underinsured health care. My plan is really simple. Why don't we just provide them health care as a basic human right and keep parts of the health care market that people like? Working. So if you slide into that level of poverty, the government will cover your health care? My right? plan is really simple. Everyone gets government health care as a right, period. And if you don't want the government health care, you can opt out, you get a tax credit, and you can use it to buy your own private health care or give it to your employer to, to offset the costs of the health care they're providing you. So it's, a, it's like Germany's system. It's a mixed model. 
Everyone gets basic health care as a right, but then they choose and they opt out and there's a private market that floats on top of it. The question I haven't been able to get answered yet, and I know you're an opponent here, but I'd be curious with your perspective having already worked in sort of the healthcare industry, what's the cutoff at Medicare for All at which your costs are going up? Uh, for Is it an upper middle class family, that combined household income of $110,000, $120,000? Who's going to end up footing the bill, if you will? Someone's going to have to foot the bill. Um, but, but again, this is where uh, Senator Sanders and Senator Warren are not being honest. Because one of the things they're not addressing is that Medicare, and Medicaid even worse, but Medicare doesn't pay the cost of health care. So if you go to the Elliott he uh, Health System here, which I have, and you ask them a question, which is, what if all your bills were paid at the Medicare rates? They're like, well, we would close. Because they get paid half or a third from Medicare what they get from commercial insurance. That's the core problem with their plan. So if they actually want to address that problem as part of Medicare for all, they're going to have to raise Medicare rates dramatically. And so the massive costs that their plan have are actually understated because if they actually rolled out that plan, all the healthcare providers in this country would get paid dramatically less than they're getting paid now. You see how hard it is in New Hampshire to find a mental health care provider. Imagine how hard it will be if they start paying even less. That's what they're basically proposing. So someone's going to have to pay for the cost that they've outlined. And if you actually were honest about what you really have to pay to have provider networks and to keep hospitals open, the cost would even be higher. Let's talk briefly about the impeachment inquiry. I remember you saying something at Roby's Country Store in Hooksit about uh, Donald Trump's strategy in general. You were saying if you compare this to poker, he always plays the player and yes. not the hand. Is he playing the player right now when it comes to Capitol Hill and Congress? And essentially, oh, yeah. he, it doesn't matter the facts of impeachment, right? If you l listen to the stuff he says, it's all, you know, the Democrats are want want a coup and want a civil war. That has nothing to do with any of the facts that are going on. That's just his way of attacking the Democrats, which is why I think Speaker Pelosi deserves a lot of credit, because this impeachment inquiry that she's launched has, and we see it growing, support among the American people. A lot of people wanted her to impeach him two years ago. It would have had no support among the American people. So I think she's played this really well. But the president, though, is his strategy, do you think, I mean, he's succeeded with it before. Do you think he will again? We should never underestimate the president's ability to kind of manipulate the narrative, particularly using these social media platforms, which we all know are completely unregulated, and he can say whatever he wants. But I think on this situation, uh, public sentiment is on the side of Speaker Pelosi. Heading to the home stretch here yep. in New Hampshire. Uh, you've been here pretty much more than any other candidate, yep. longer than any other candidate. What do you need to see in the next 100 days uh, that's going to put you in a position uh, to compete and possibly win? And on the flip side of that, if you're not seeing that, if you feel like you're going to end up taking those moderate votes away from a candidate who is going to challenge a Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, are you going to make a decision perhaps to get out of the race? No, I'm not going to get out of the race. Uh, I want to see how I do in Iowa and New Hampshire where I've invested a lot of time. And I feel like in each of these states, I have bases of support. Here in New Hampshire, I, like I was at the No Labels conference yesterday, I think there's a lot of folks in New Hampshire who basically want a common sense, problem-solving or oriented candidate. They know that's who beats Donald Trump, because there's all those voters out there who don't like Trump, but kind of like the fact that they think the economy's doing well, and they see some of these Democrats running on upheaval of the economy. And so someone like myself, who can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Trump on the economy every day of the week based on my business background. I'm the only person running for president who actually has that kind of background on the Democratic side. 
I think I can win a lot of those independent, more moderate voters here in New Hampshire. In Iowa, which is a, a very rural state, none of the other candidates are talking about any of the issues that matter to the heartland or to rural America. And I have very strong support in rural Iowa. So I have, I think, different bases in the two states. I think in New Hampshire here, you have all those independents. They tend to be moderate. They want someone to solve problems. I think those are my folks. And I think in Iowa, it's all the rural voters, because the only one in Iowa has been to all those counties. Don Delaney. Adam, thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on The Trail. Thanks for joining us for WMUR's The Trail, from New Hampshire to the White House. If you have a moment and can write a review or subscribe to this podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it. You can also find us on WMUR.com and our free WMUR app 24-7. See you for the next episode of this podcast next week.